Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Woodmer. Always, we are very excited for today's guests. We have been so blessed with the people who are willing to come on and talk on the show, talk to the kids during our monthly Zooms, and who share their knowledge with us so that we can grow based on the lessons that they've had. It is truly a blessing, and I hope that as you listen to these, you take advantage of the opportunities, take notes, really take to heart what they're telling you, and and learn the lessons that there are to be learned from these people who have been there, done that, and again, want to see you succeed. And don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast and talk to them about it. Tell them where they can find it. Share it on your social media pages. Give us a share, like, and follow on our own social media pages. As you guys interact with us, we get to grow and we get to impact more people. And as we get to impact more people together, we get to help the industry as a whole grow because it takes lots of people to keep everything that we've got going. So let's all continue to work together to keep it going. So today's guest is Chevy Allen. She is the author of 10 Things Gritty Riders Don't Do. She is also a horsemanship life and confidence coach. She is a mom. She is a competitor. She is a rancher. She is an all-around hand who has learned all of the things and wants to share her advice with you today on breathing techniques, how to overcome when we get scared or fearful or the times that we lose our confidence. So she's full of awesome information. She shared all this on the Rodeo Kids monthly Zoom last week. So we also have different uh, members of the Rodeo Kids ambassador team and guests Anybody is welcome to join the monthly Zooms at any time. So make sure that you put those on your calendar. Stay tuned on our social media pages to see when the next one is coming up. And you can also find them on rodeokids.com on the Zooms tab. So check it out and give us a listen. You're going to love this one. Be ready to take notes because it's awesome. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Okay, well, welcome everyone to the Rodeo Kids Zoom. Um, I know a lot of you have been here before. We also have some new faces and names, so welcome. We're excited to have you, and we welcome you to come back every month. These Zooms are such an awesome opportunity to learn from professionals, from coaches, from people who have been there, have done that, and they want to come and tell their stories and help you guys be successful and learn from their experiences and what they have to share. And so Chevy Allen, we got to, um, I actually didn't get to meet her personally, um, but she was in Madison, Wisconsin at the Midwest Horse Fair and stopped by the booth and dropped her book off and talked to the girls there. And it was like, gosh, this is awesome. She has this book um, that's fantastic. Right now you can get it on Amazon, um, but we are going to, we talked about getting some on some, some copies of it on rodeokids.com because we love books. Books help us a lot. Um, but her book is called 10 Things Gritty Riders Don't Do. And as I started reading it, I was like, gosh, this is such good stuff. Um, and it's really important for all of us to think about uh, when it comes to having confidence, when it comes to building our relationships with our horses inside and outside of the arena and growing as human beings. Um, so Chevy, I called her up and asked her if she was interested in being in the Zoom, and she said that she would, and um, so she is a horsemanship life and confidence coach, and I think we can all use a little help in that department sometimes, so um, that's my introduction for Chevy. I'm going to turn this over to her. She's got an awesome PowerPoint. We're going to let her go through her story for a little while, and then if you guys want to take notes so you can ask questions, you can also put your questions in the chat, and I'll do my best to um, keep those going. Be prepared and take it away, Chevy. All right. Thank you so much. This is such an honor to be able to be here. And what a cool thing you guys have going to have these monthly Zoom calls for you guys. This is awesome. I wish there was stuff like this when I was a kid, these learning opportunities. So yeah. again, my, yeah, it's really cool. Thank you for doing this. It's awesome. Yeah. Part of my, my message and my coaching is that 
Horsemanship is a journey and it requires grit. And I'll just start with a little bit about myself. So I live in Wisconsin. So the Midwest Horse Fair down in Madison was just about an hour away from where I live. And I live on a little farm with my husband, Zeb, and our two little boys. And we raise Hereford cattle. So we have a little cow-calf operation. We have baby calves everywhere right now. It just seems like they're just, they're all over the place. So we raise, raise cattle, we have horses, use the horses to work our cattle, that kind of thing. A um, Little bit more of my background. I originally started as a 4-H kid. So don't judge too much, but I started with pleasure horses, you know, pleasure horsemanship, showmanship, that kind of thing. And then when I was in high school, I got introduced to the Rainers and started showing Rainers, went to college, showed some more Rainers and ended up training some horses after college. And even um, the horse in the picture here, this is Reva, this is my Mustang. So I trained some Mustangs for Mustang makeover. So just a lot of different horse experience. And then I kind of settled down and got married and had some kids. And after I had my kids, I lost all my confidence. And so some of the moms and parents here might relate to this. But after my kids were born, it was like, I knew I had the knowledge, skills, and abilities, but I just lost that belief in myself. And then also, I would just worry so much about everything, like, what if? What could happen? Who's gonna take care of my kids if a horse hurts me? Cause you know, they are, they're really big animals. And so I really, after having kids, I wanted to get back to riding. I wanted to get back to competing, but was just really, really stuck. And that's what led me to kind of find positive psychology and the science of grit. So I ended up reading a book and I'll find a link to it and put it in the chat too, before we go. But the book is actually called Grit, and it's by Dr. Angela Duckworth. And she is a psychologist and grit researcher. And in her book, she kind of explains the four different parts of grit. And I think we all can relate to this. So we all have a passion for horses. We love our animals. We love horses. We love competing. We love that partnership that we can develop with our equine partner. And then there's the purpose piece. Like how many of you, could you imagine a life without horses? Like is that horse part of your identity and you know, you see yourself as a horse person, a cowboy, a cowgirl, a rodeo kid, you know, that that's part of who you are. And then the other parts of grit are practice and perseverance. So as I was going through and rebuilding my, co my confidence and working on the positive it really came down to, I couldn't imagine a life without horses. You know, I wasn't willing, even though I was afraid, I wasn't willing to just give up and get rid of my horses. You know, I, I knew that it wasn't that my horses were, you know, unsafe or not broke. You know, I had good broke ranch horses and it was, it was a lot of me. I knew it was all in my own head and I felt really ashamed of it, honestly. And I felt like, you know, we, we have this, this culture where, you know, you get back on, you don't cry, you don't talk about being afraid or those, these kind of feelings. And so I felt really alone and like, I must've been the only one that ever had these kind of feelings. And so it was really hard for me to open up. But once I started talking about it, I found that there's lots of people that have all kinds of fears with their horses. And sometimes it's because of life changes, you know, they have a family or kids. And sometimes it's just, it's an accident, you know, one freak accident with one horse and suddenly, your confidence is all lost and you're kind of starting over at square one. So there's lots of those different pieces that I ended up working on. And as I was working through this, I realized I wasn't alone. Uh, that's how I ended up writing the book was because I, I found out that it wasn't just, it wasn't only me. I wasn't the only one dealing with this problem. And so I wrote the book to be able to help other people to rebuild their confidence, to get back to doing what they love to do with their horses again. So yeah, so before I move on, were there any questions or anything to add into there? I think that there's a lot of people here, a lot of kids, even me, and just everybody who at some point in time or another, you know, we whether it's a horse that was big and we got bucked off, or if we were tying goats and we fell on our face, or maybe we got caught up in the rope, I think we can all relate to losing confidence at some point in time or another. So um, 
And I, I like that, you know, you found a book too, and that you've worked your way through it and that you realize that you're not alone because I don't know about you guys, but I think we can definitely get caught up in feeling like I'm the only one. Yeah. And then we get afraid to admit that, that we're feeling afraid. You know, it's hard to, to go to our, our trainers, our instructors, our coaches and say, Hey, I'm really, I'm just feeling scared. I don't, you know, I need help in this area when, you know, we're kind of raised with this, you know, tough, you get up, you brush the dirt off and you get right back on. Mm -hmm. And you can only force yourself to do that for so long before you're just covering up, covering up the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And here, you know, we'll dive in a little bit more, but you know, obviously your horse can sense if you're faking it, if you're really scared, your horse is going to know it. And it's, it's not usually going to end up where you're going to be able to ride at your best and your horse is going to be able to perform at your best. If your horse knows that you're not confident. Yeah. And I think part of, you know, when we start to gain confidence, I think a lot of it is just being able to admit that, oh, we are scared and telling somebody about that. Then we put it out there. It can go away if we're not harnessing it inside. If we can just say like, Hey, it's there. And now I'm going to remove it from my body because I'm in my mind, because I'm speaking it, it's now leaving. Um, so I think there's confidence in being able to say that. So who, who here, go ahead and raise your hands. I don't know if you guys can see each other, um, through the, the background, uh, but just raise your hands. I can see you if you've been scared and lost your confidence at some point in time, everybody we've all done it. Haven't we? (laughs) So it's okay. That's an all right thing. I'm proud of you guys for just being able to say, Hey, I've been scared. That's great. Absolutely. When we name it, we can tame it. You know, we can do something about it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, really important. Okay. So as I was writing the book and so I wrote this book actually last July and I'm about ready to make another revision because after you write it, you know, at some point you just have to write and you have to put it out because it's never going to be perfect. And whether it's you're writing a book or you're riding a horse and you're getting ready to show, you're never truly completely ready. And at some point you just, you have to, you have to publish it. You have to go to the show pen. You have to, you just have to be, you have to be accepting of of good is good enough because if you strive for perfect, you're, you're never going to accomplish anything. So um, one of the, the topics that I, looking back, wish I would have included in the book was the difference between confidence and competence because they're very different things and they often get confused together. And we need to be both. We need to be confident and competent to be successful with our horses. Can you explain what competence means? Oh, there you go. So we, we will, but competence is having the knowledge, skills, and abilities to do something. Like you've practiced it, you know, like, I'm sure we've all seen examples of, you know, a kid or somebody that's new to horses that maybe doesn't have a lot of riding abilities, but they don't know what they don't know. So they don't know that maybe they should be afraid or have a little bit of concern about, you know, galloping fast or, you know, doing something like that. And so they have all the confidence in the world, but they haven't practiced enough to have the skills to do what they're trying to do. And sometimes it works out amazingly. And sometimes we're like, wow, I can't believe that that worked out okay for that person because they've never done that before. And that was a really high skill level type of thing that they tried. And I'm really glad it worked out for them. But at the same time, I'm sure we've all probably seen a couple of X where somebody tried to do something with a horse that they didn't yet have the skill to do with that horse. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can have the confidence without the competence. And at the same time, you can have the competence, you can have the skills, you can have practiced something, you can have the knowledge and the abilities and your horse can be, you know, well-trained and tuned up and ready to go. And you can be lacking the confidence, you know? So the difference between the two is that that confidence is the belief in yourself. And it's the trust in yourself that you have the ability to meet life's challenges and to succeed. And it's also the willingness to try. And sometimes that confidence is the feeling you have before you fully understand the situation, you know, so that, you know, the beginner's luck kind of idea of confidence of you, you know, you're, 
you're you don't really know what you don't know so you don't know that maybe you should be a little bit more cautious mm-hmm. so that's that's the confidence piece and then there's the competence piece so that's the knowledge skills and abilities to complete the task so we all know that you can't just be handed the reins to a rope horse and handed a rope and be told, okay, go back into that box and go rope that steer. We have to practice these things. These are skills. We have to put in the work, the effort to develop the muscle memory, to know, you know, how, what's the angle of my swing gotta be for this? Where do I need to ride my horse? What, what do I need to do to be able to leave the box properly? so that I can get into proper position to rope the steer. You know, all of those pieces require practice. So that's the competence piece because it requires a lot of effort and practice to build up those skills. You guys know all about that, don't you? Lots of practice and hours and hours and hours and it gets to be fun too, but it is a lot of hard work, isn't it? Yeah. And so as you're doing that, it's, As you get more competent and you have more knowledge, skills, and abilities, your confidence will rise. But at the same time, if you don't have the confidence to stretch outside of your comfort zone and to try new things and to grow and, you know, stretch a little harder, step it up to a higher level, ask your horse for more speed in the barrels. Like if you don't have the confidence that, hey, this isn't something I've done yet, but I believe in myself and my horse that we can do it. And, you know, you, you need both pieces to balance out. And so then that kind of leads to a little bit of that conversation of how we need to have confidence in ourselves to go out and try something new so that we can build our competence and have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to do something with our horse. And yet at the same time, our horse can tell when we're afraid. Our horse can tell when we're nervous. Our horse can tell when we're worried. And so that's this rider's fear and anxiety cycle. And it all starts with our thoughts. So if we're having those thoughts of, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can really, you know, if I can ride my horse up that fast, up to that position to get that steer roped. I don't know how I feel about my horse turning that third barrel and running for home. So as soon as we start having those thoughts, our thoughts are gonna lead to a change in our body. So when we have those nervous thoughts, we we get tense, you know, we might get into that crouch position, our muscles get tense, we might pull on the reins, we might really grip our horse with our legs. And so when we have that change in our body, our horse can definitely feel that. And some horses are extremely forgiving of our mistakes and of our tension. And they're just gonna keep going and doing their job. They're probably not gonna be able to do it quite as well because we're gonna ultimately be putting them off balance. I mean, you guys show in rodeo events where it's split seconds between first place and not placing. So anytime that you're tense and tight, you're not gonna be able to ride your best for your horse. At worst, when you're tense and tight, and having, you know, all those thoughts leading to your body changes, if you're pulling on the reins, if you're, you know, gripping with your legs, that sometimes can make our horses decide, hey, I don't really like what my rider's doing back there. And sometimes our horse might do things like bolt on us. They might buck, they might rear, they might spook, they might do all kinds of things that we really don't want them to do. And then when our horse does those scary things, that leads to more thoughts of us being nervous and anxious and afraid and so this cycle just keeps going on and on and on do you guys have any idea like why we get super tight and this I guess this is more what I've put together this isn't actually scientific but um you know how she's talking about like how when we get nervous we clam up and we everything comes inside um why do you think that happens you guys have any idea why that happens any idea anybody Part of the reason that I've come up with that that happens because when we are born, we're born in a fetal position and that's where we're protected, like a little baby, you know, they're all curled up inside their mom. And then when we're little, we like to be all curled up. So when we get nervous, we go back to that and everything gets really tight and it gets really tense. And cause we try to 
protect ourselves is what we're doing. It's our natural instinct to protect ourselves in a way that we were born to do. It's mother nature. And so really a lot of times when we're on these horses and we get into this situation where we feel ourselves tense, it's natural to do it. And so when that happens to you guys, I just don't want you to lose confidence or anything because you're resisting mother nature. You're trying to go against what our minds naturally tell us to do. And so it's a battle and it's something that can be really tough to do. So you're not alone and everybody does it. Exactly. And there is actually a lot of science behind that. So if we look at like you, you could find brain models and I, you know, there's, there's research on this too, about the difference between our horse's brain. So what does your horse do when your horse is afraid? Your horse shifts back to that very primitive reactionary fight, flight, freeze response. They're either going to bolt, get as far away from danger as they can, as fast as they can. And once the danger is kind of gone, then they're like, oh, okay. Or they're going to fight. So they could buck and kick and bite all those kinds of things to get rid of whatever's making them afraid. Or sometimes our horses will actually do this. They'll get into freeze mode where they'll just be like, and maybe you've seen this where a horse will like just be like totally frozen, totally still because they're afraid of something. And then usually they'll be frozen for a while and then they explode. And people are like, well, he exploded out of nowhere. Well, he was actually frozen first because that's what he did when he was afraid. And then when being frozen and playing possum and maybe if I just sit really still and pretend I'm dead, the scary thing will go away. When that didn't work, then they go to bigger maneuver, you know, to the fight or flight mode to get rid of it. And so who's had a freezer? Anybody had a horse freeze on them before and then bolt? Yeah. Who's had just a bolter, a runner? Yeah. I don't know those too. Who's had a bucker? Anybody had a bucker? <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah, the primitive yeah. <laughs> part of the horse's brain. It's called the amygdala. And we have a part of that brain too. So when we get nervous and afraid, our, our body instantly is going to go to our own fight, flight, and freeze response. How many people have ever shown in a pattern event and you got into the show pen and you were so nervous and so overwhelmed that you completely forgot your pattern and you like, didn't even know what you were supposed to do next. Sometimes I forget that going to the first barrel. (laughs) That's freezing. So when you get stressed, when you get nervous, when you get anxious, that's you going to freeze mode. So it's that primitive part of your brain taking over the same, you know, or some people like uh, I showed raining. And when I would get nervous, my horse would do raining patterns at Mach 10. And you would think that they were a timed event because I, I was so nervous that then my horse would get into the flight mode. And if raining was a timed event, like we totally would have won it, totally would have won it, but it's not. So it really doesn't help you out there. So you know, our horse can enter into those primitive braid modes, but so do we. And exactly that fetal crouch, that's what protected you, but it also changes your hormones in your body. So you're going to get that big surge of adrenaline. So does anybody ever get like nervous or shaky because they're getting all the adrenaline before they go? That's, that's that same thing that that's your body saying, Hey, something stressful is going on. And so your body is giving yourself a surge of adrenaline You know, we get our clammy hands, we get shaky, our breath gets really fast and shallow. It's because our body is like, there's something there. There is some danger. I don't know what it is, but our brain is saying that there's something that we need to be really nervous about. So we're just going to shoot our bodies full of adrenaline so that maybe we can get through this. And what that does is it actually takes blood flow and oxygen away from the frontal part of your brain where you can think clearly because it's putting it to the survival part of your brain to your muscles so that you can run really fast. And so you can get away from whatever it is that is making you afraid or nervous. That's really interesting. I didn't realize about the oxygen. Like, I guess I've never thought about the fact that your oxygen is actually going to a different part of your body to, to, to help you have that flight mode. Did you guys realize that? I didn't realize that that's new to me. Kind of cool thing to know. And when we know that, then we can tell our brain like, no, put the oxygen in the calming zone. <laughs> yeah. So to break any part of this cycle, we have to be aware of it. And the sooner that we're aware, hey, I'm kind of starting to feel nervous or, hey, my palms are getting really clammy or, 
hey, my horse seems like he's really tense and faster than normal. I wonder if I'm being tense. Because the sooner that we can notice it, the sooner we can sit back and take a deep breath. We can relax and melt into our horse instead of having tight, tense muscles. But if we're never aware that we've shifted into this fight, flight, freeze mode, you know, then we can't do anything about it. And the cycle just keeps on continuing. So yeah, that definitely need oxygen to your brain. And that's, that's why the biggest thing that people tell you when you get nervous is just breathe. And it, you know, some people get really frustrated. They're like, well, I am breathing. And it's like, no, you're really not. Because that breathing is how you shift your brain from the fight, flight, freeze mode to the rest and digest everything's okay now mode. So has anyone, you know, watched a horse out in pasture spook at something? You know, a plastic bag flies across the pasture. Has anyone seen a horse spook from that? And the horse mm-hmm. runs away. And then, you know, after the plastic bag is now out of the pasture, it gets caught up with the fence or something, and the horse realizes, oh, it's just a plastic bag. It's not going to eat me. What does a horse usually do after they're done having their spook fit? So they face it and... Does anyone want to like make the noise that a horse makes when they like are looking at something and they're like, oh, this thing didn't eat me? Our horse goes. (laughs) Your horse snorts at it? They like take a really big deep breath. They go. They like take a really big deep breath. Uh She sounds like a fan when she does it. She's just got a weird sound to her when she does it. Do they make the noise that they're kind of like. Yeah. And so when they're snorting, when they're making the noise like a fan, when they're making the noise like that's that's your horse breathing because that's your horse's brain shifting from the, hey, I need to run away from the scary plastic bag that's going to eat me to the, oh, it's just a plastic bag. It didn't eat me. I'm okay now. And so they they get this I'm okay now moment. They take a deep breath. And then what do they normally do? Do they like put their head down and start grazing or they go back to eating their hay? Mm -hmm. It's because they shift to that rest and digest mode again. So like the danger's gone. It's gone. It's bye-bye. I don't need to worry about it anymore. I'm okay now. Yeah. I think shift is a really important word to be able to shift from one state of mind to another state of mind. And in order to shift, we have to be aware that we are in that primitive bite flight freeze mode. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of us aren't even aware that we're at that point. Yeah. My dad would like to add something. He's <clears throat> listening in. Yeah. This, this is something that I learned today that a human's brain is 2% of their body weight is 2% of their body, but it takes 20% of the oxygen that your body takes in to make your brain work. Absolutely. And when we're in the flight, fright, and freeze mode, that is all going to our primitive amygdala and not the thinking part of our brain. So that that was a big deal that you have to breathe a lot to make make your brain work. And it's just like a horse. They need to breathe a lot to make their brain work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was his first ever time on Zoom. Congratulations, Dad. <laughs> no, I just I read that this morning uh, in magazine. Yeah, so that, that oxygen is really important. And how we breathe can break us out of this fear and anxiety cycle. Because the other thing that happens when we're having fears of the show pen, because is there like a real present danger in the show pen? Like, yeah, there are accidents that could happen and we might get hurt, but generally what we're nervous about is we're nervous that we won't do well. We're nervous that, oh, so-and-so might watch and say something about how I rode or, you know, it, it's, it's fears that even if it happens, like it's not a end of the world, you know, it, it's not generally going to be a life-threatening type of thing. So we end up having these accumulated fears because it never goes away because there's no actual danger for us to get over. 
It's us worrying about what if the horse does something. It's us worried about, oh, will my coach be disappointed if I don't do good today? Or, oh, my parents spent a ton of money for me to go to this rodeo. And if I don't win, I'm going to disappoint them. So we end up with all of these kinds of thoughts where we never get to the, I'm okay now. So we never can shift to the rest and digest. Has anybody had that happen? I've had that happen, you know, when your parents are investing a lot and you don't want to disappoint them. And so you put all this pressure on yourself and you create a lot of anxiety and the, yeah, exactly. The parents' money thing, because they, they're investing in us and in our education and our learning with our horses. And so it's, it's not helping us at all to be super nervous about that because then we really can't do it our best. And so that is where we need to find those ways to break out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to learn how to do this at a young age too, because as you get older, then it's not your parents' money that you're worried about spending. It's your own money. And that's even (laughs) scarier. (laughs) Yeah. So if you can learn, if you can learn from what she's saying today and figure out how to apply that to separate those fears and anxieties and worries that come with it, as you do have that support financially, uh, because your parents are going to love you and support you because they want you to succeed no matter what. If you can figure that out now, then when you have to spend your own money, when you're a grown up, that's a big difference. Yeah. So let's go back to breathing because breathing is how you break out of this cycle. And so I want everyone to put one hand up on their chest and one hand on their belly. And I want you to take a big, deep breath in and out. And I want you to notice which hand moves. Which one? Your chest. Your chest one? My belly. Your belly. So has anyone anyone watched a little baby sleep? When the little baby sleeps, does their chest move or their belly move? The belly, yeah. So what we want is actually our belly to move because our diaphragm then is this muscle that's inside of us and it acts like a bellows. And it helps you to pull more oxygen in because if we want more oxygen to go to our brain, you know, which takes up 80% of our body's oxygen, we need to get more oxygen to our lungs. And when we breathe with our chest, we're only getting oxygen to the upper lobes of our lungs. We're not getting oxygen to all of our lungs. When we breathe in our belly moves, when we take that deep breath in and out, we're actually getting a lot more air into our lungs and more oxygen. Now that you're saying that, like, if you guys think about how you usually take a breath, when somebody says relax, do your shoulders just come up and then drop or does your belly actually come out? Like mine goes, but I don't ever actually breathe. So it's kind of food for thought guys. So get that belly to move because then you're really pulling oxygen deep into your lungs and you're getting the most oxygen possible. So that's the first thing to check when you breathe. And then I want to share with you two different breathing exercises that you can do when you start noticing that you that you're starting to feel nervous, that you're getting tense, so that you can break out of the fear cycle and into the rest and digest and calm. And so the first one is square breathing. So this is actually what Navy SEALs use when they're in high stress situation. And so to do this one, you breathe into the count of four, you hold for the count of four, you breathe out for the count of four, and you hold for the count of four. So it's four beats, you know, in, hold, out, hold. And that breathing pattern where your inhale is the same as your exhale is really good at focusing your attention. So this is really good for events where you need to be, you you don't necessarily want to be calm. You want to be focused. You want to have attention because if we're a, you know, loose and floppy, just, you know, sack of potatoes, we're not going to be able to, you know, we have to use muscles to ride and to support our horse and to do the rodeo events that we need to do. You know, we, we can't be too relaxed. 
And so this box breathing technique is the one that gets us to be focused and ready. So does that make sense to everybody? We want to be calm, but we want to be activated. Yeah. So, so to be to be calm without being being too relaxed so that we aren't able to use our muscles and to support our horse. Mm -hmm. Now, some events and some horses, we do need to shift a little bit more to the more relaxed phase. So back when I showed Western pleasure horses, like we want everything super calm, super slow. And for that, we want to have the exhale be longer than the inhale. And so if you're really tense, like before you get on your horse and you just really need to calm yourself down, that's where the five to seven breathing works better. And so that's where you breathe in for the count of five, you hold for two, and then you have a long exhale out for the count of seven. And having that longer exhale is what's really gonna tell your body like, okay, you can relax now, you can rest, you can, you can get way, way, way more calm and chill to kind of get recontrol of your emotions and your thoughts. Another thing that makes that work better is if you do the inhale through your nose and you exhale out your mouth. And when you exhale out your mouth, if you do like you're blowing bubbles, you know, imagine that you're blowing bubbles, that gets you to, you know, more focus on getting that exhale in a controlled way. So it really helps you calm down more because you're focused on, I'm blowing bubbles now. And I've actually given to people that I've coached, um, and people laugh at me because I'll, I'll show up at horse shows and I will have bubbles in my horse trailer. And when I notice that people are too tense, I will come out with the little thing of, you know, kids bubbles and be like, here, sit here and blow bubbles for a little bit. You're way too tense. But it works because by sitting there and blowing bubbles, you're breathing. You're telling yourself that it's okay now. I can, I can be focused. I can be calm. I can be ready without getting too far to the nervous and anxious side. Maybe the next year on, in our rodeo kids, little care packages, you guys get as ambassadors, we're going to have to put in some bubbles. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks funny. And I've, I've sat there at the end gate blowing bubbles and people laugh at me, but my raining patterns got way better when I started doing that. Yeah. Winners don't care what other people think. Nope. It works. So get yeah. yourself some bubbles. Cool. I like that idea. Yeah. Any other questions on ways to, you know, deal with some nerves or anxiety or feeling stress and then having that affect our horse? Cece had a question earlier. Would you like to unmute and ask your question, Cece? We have, what advice would you give to someone that is just starting? Yes, that's a great question because like we talked about before, you're going to be working on building up your knowledge, skills, abilities, your competence at the same time as your confidence. And so actually that really fits into the next slide because it is a conundrum of we're new at something. We don't have the knowledge, skills, and abilities yet. And it's normal to not be confident if we don't know what we're doing. And as we're learning and building up those skills. So we don't necessarily want our horse to know that we're not feeling confident. And so what we have to do is get a little bit out of that comfort zone and into the grit zone, which is kind of that in-between zone without getting into the danger zone where we're feeling super, super nervous or we're feeling unsafe or our horse is feeling unsafe. So it really does, you know, it, you have to kind of pay attention to how, how do I feel right now? And it's a self-awareness thing because some days we can do something and we can feel totally like, oh, I'm in the comfort zone for that. I'm pretty comfortable with it. And then other days it'll just feel a little bit different and that might be too much of a stretch for us that day. So it, it takes time for us to develop those skills and build up those muscle patterns for us to be able to do new things with our horses. So does that make sense about kind of getting into that 
grits on. Cameron had a question about how this applies to rough stock riding. So I actually heard about square breathing from a bull rider. They use that a lot as they are preparing to get into the shoots and you, you know, cause they need to be focused and calm and at tension and not letting their bodies get too tense and all of those things too, because rough stock can feel that fear and anxiety cycle. And it's definitely gonna impact, you know, how your thoughts impact your body position for rough stock riding too. So yeah, it definitely, definitely still applies. When I go to rodeos, I start shaking and my whole body starts shaking. I have like adrenaline when I hear <laughs> the announcers and music and stuff. So what would you do for that? So as soon as you start feeling nervous or feeling shaky, I would, I would start breathing then and focusing on your breathing. Mm -hmm. And then I would also do some, some visualization techniques at home. So yes. imagining when you're at home, you'll sit in your chair and close your eyes and imagine that you're at the rodeo and you're hearing the announcer and you're starting to get all excited and getting shaky and then using your breathing techniques in your chair at home to get yourself back to that calmer and focused state. Because mm -hmm. the more you have that practiced, the easier it'll be when you actually need it. So these breathing techniques work a lot better if we do practice them first. So has anybody done a one ring stop with their horse? So if you don't teach your horse a one ring stop in a round pen or in a small arena, is that horse gonna know to stop when you're out on the trail and a turkey flies up out of nowhere and spooks it? Mm -mm. No, you have to practice it so that your breathing techniques are, they're second nature. It's a habit to, as soon as you start feeling shaky, you're like, oh, okay, this means I need to breathe now so that you don't have to think about it. You know, it's there. Like, you know, that one ring stop is trained into that horse. Good question. Riley and Peyton. Thank you. You're welcome. That's a great question. So I know you were talking about how you lost confidence after you had kids, but was there ever another time with like, after like a horse incident, like after a buck or something, um, where you lost confidence with that and how did you overcome it? Yeah, great question. Um, so a couple, couple of answers there. Um, right before I got pregnant with my first son. I actually got bucked off of a mare that we had. She was super athletic, really nice mare. She spooked and then bucked and I fell off hard. Like I landed kind of on my head, broke my glasses. And unfortunately, I never got the chance to get back on her and to get over it because just a couple of days later, she unfortunately passed a colic. So I think some of why I was afraid after my first son was born was because I had that happen and then she passed away and I didn't have another horse to ride. And then I got pregnant with our first son and our first son was born. And so there was a long gap of time from when I had ridden to when I was back to riding again. And I think that that really was a part of being afraid was having to deal with that buck off and, and getting hurt and then ultimately, you know, losing that horse because you're, you're losing a friend. And so it was a lot to deal with that way. And some of that, when you're dealing with, you know, you get hurt by a horse, sometimes you need to ride a different horse that can help you get that confidence back. And then maybe later you can go back to the horse that had the issue that, you know, caused you to be afraid. But, you know, so thinking about our grit zone again. So when we're learning new things with a horse and when we're rebuilding our confidence, ideally we wanna be on a horse that has been there, done that, and that horse is firmly in their comfort zone. So as we're learning new skills, as you know, like how the, the saying of green and green equals black and blue, it's the same thing. We wanna been there, done that solid horse for us to regain our confidence on, for us to learn new skills on. Mm -hmm. Now, 
when you have a green horse that's learning new things, you want a rider that has been there, done that, and is in their comfort zone because that horse is gonna be in their grid zone. So pairing the horse and rider combination. Now, as you get used to a horse and as you become a, a team and you trust each other and you've worked really hard to build a relationship with a horse, then you both can be in your grit zone at the same time and you can work together and you can achieve amazing things, but you can't always start out there. And uh, just along with that, when it comes to riding young horses and stuff, and as you guys step into that next level and that next challenge, trust your gut too. There are some horses out there that if you don't feel comfortable or confident on them, even before something happens and you're not to a skill level to quite understand, like this is a new challenge, step away. I had one that I felt like that with, um, and I really wanted to do it. And I had the desire and I was even patient with my parents and I was listening to what they were telling me to do. And I still didn't feel comfortable. And my mom rode him. She ended up getting, feeling the same way. My dad rode him and that horse ended up breaking my dad's pelvis and he never quit bucking. So trust your gut as well. Yeah. As soon as you feel like you're getting into that danger zone then that's a pretty clear sign of you need to do something to get yourself at least back into the grid zone. But ideally you'd go back to that comfort zone so you can tell yourself I'm okay now and you can get mm -hmm. out of that fear and anxiety cycle. So as soon as you feel that it's okay to step off, it's okay to do groundwork. It's okay to walk your horse home. Like there is no shame in that. If that's what you need to do to survive that day. So really trust your gut. And if you're thinking, Hey, I, something's not quite right with us today. You know, I, I don't think I need to do this today. That's okay. Talk it out, find, find a coach that can help you. You guys have a great resource here, you know, ask, ask for help and tips to, to work through that because we do not want to be in that danger zone. Go ahead, Riley, Riley Bevan. Thank you. Oh, hi. Uh, I was like, I have a question like about the breathing thing again. So um, I have like this vocal cord dysfunction and my vocal cords close up during my barrel runs. And I also have exercise induced asthma. And I all the time, like after all my barrel runs, I have really bad, like I can't calm down and like my vocal cords are closed. So I have a really hard time breathing and I like wheeze really bad. And then I start coughing and I just, and then I feel like I get nervous before my barrel runs because I know what's going to happen afterwards and it's extremely uncomfortable. So, and like, I'm not really, I haven't really had a lot of help with that. Yeah, that sounds super challenging. So, you know, my first piece of advice would be to, you know, talk to your doctor, you know, you have, you have an inhaler for your asthma. And yeah. yeah, and talking to your doctor about, okay, what can I do when this happens? And, you know, sometimes, you know, if you can make sure for sure that you have that inhaler right away available, um, but ask your doctor too, if there's specific breathing exercises for your asthma that would work for you. So I'm not a doctor, I can't, can't give you medical advice here, but that's really where, where I would start. I think too, Riley, kind of like she was saying before, um, I don't remember whose question that she answered, but when we were talking about, or when she was talking to Caitlin about how she gets so nervous, she starts to shake and putting herself in that position at home where you go through those breathing exercises, like do your best, like, okay, I just made my run and now I'm freaking out. I can't breathe. What am I going to do? And start doing those mental exercises in the practice pen, because a lot of times our brain doesn't know the difference between practice and competition or like it, it happening in real life. So if we can put our brain, like if this were happening, I'm going to pretend like this is happening. This is how I'm going to control it and just put that into practice, even in your practice runs. Okay. So I have a question about my friend. I want to help her. So her horse Chewy, so he's reared up and stuff with her mom and she's all watched that. It's never happened to her, but that scares her because she's watched that. And I have a question on like, how can she like, like overcome that kind of. Yeah, sometimes just seeing a wreck can make us afraid because 
we saw what could happen to us. So that, that's totally normal for that to be something that would cause your friend to be afraid if she's seen that horse do that to her mom. So I would really, you know, do your best that you can to help your friend with the breathing and staying calm. And then staying in the moment because we, it's easy to get caught up in the what ifs. What if he bucks? What if he bolts? What if he rears? When in, in this moment, the here right now, that horse is walking calmly. And so one exercise that you can do is a mindfulness exercise to get connected to the right here, right now. And it's by using your five senses. So when I'm talking to people that are getting nervous before they go into the show pen, they're kind of waiting in the warm up arena. I'll walk up to them and I'll ask, okay, tell me one thing you can see right now. And usually they tell me, oh, my horse's ears. And I'm like, okay, look up and tell me something else you can see. Like, don't look down here. So I'll ask for one thing they can see. Then I'll ask, what's one thing you can hear? And usually it's like, oh, the announcer, or all the birds chirping, or all the wind blowing. And then I'll ask, what's one thing you feel? And they'll say, oh, I can feel my stirrup, you know, my stirrups up against my feet. I can feel my saddle on my legs, you know, my seat bones in the saddle. And then I'll ask, okay, what's one thing you can smell? And they'll say like fly spray or horse sweat. And then sometimes I'll ask too, like, what's one thing you can taste? And it'll be, oh, bubble gum or coffee or, you know, something. So what you're asking them is to use those five senses to connect with the right here, right now, what is happening exactly this moment. And that will help them to get connected to the, you know, right here, right now, everything's okay now, instead of shifting to the fight, flight, freeze, what if he bucks, what if he bolts, you know, what if, you know, the footing's bad around the second barrel and getting stuck in all of those negative things that aren't actually happening right here, right now. Yeah, so I think that's sense? great for all of us to think about before we compete or after we compete, anything that has to do with fear, if we can just re-energize or focus on living in the moment and not worrying about what's out of our control. Yeah. Yeah. It's super easy to get, you know, focused on all of the things outside of our control. Yeah. Really it's, it's such a small little circle of teeny little things that we have control over, but those are the things we need to think about because if we can master those things, we'll be able to put to be better and perform better for, for our horses. Yeah. We've got just about five minutes left. Sadie Forrester has one more question and then we'll wrap it up with whatever else Chevy has for us. Um, I was wondering, how do you get from the comfort zone to the um, grit zone? Yeah, that's a great question. So that comfort zone is when we, you know, we feel 100% confident that we can do whatever it is with our horse. Now to move to that grit zone is when we're stretching outside a little bit. So maybe it's, you know, in a barrel pattern, we're asking our horse to go a little bit faster than we're comfortable with. Or Maybe when we're roping, it's okay, I'm only going to swing twice and then I'm going to throw my rope at the calf. You know, it's, it's increasing that level of difficulty just a smidge and so that we can improve our skills and abilities. So that might be, you know, stepping it up a level with a different horse too might move us from our comfort zone to our grit zone. It could be entering a different event that we haven't done before that's gonna be moving from our comfort zone to our grit zone. So it's really gonna be up to you and you're the one that's gonna be aware of, is this something where I'm in my comfort zone or is this something where I am stretching and I'm learning, I'm learning new things, I'm trying new things, I'm growing, I'm getting better, then that's when you know you're in that grit zone. You notice that she didn't say that it was gonna be easy or that it was gonna be comfortable the whole time. Yeah, there will still be moments of discomfort. And that that brings up another good point, too, because when we're in our grit zone, it takes all of our focus and effort and attention. And like we have to work really, really, really hard. So we cannot always be in our grit zone. We would be exhausted like we burn ourselves out. It is not possible to be in your grit zone all the time. So we have to oscillate. So like we'll spend a little bit of time in our grit zone and then we're going to go back to something that we're super comfortable and solid on. And then we're gonna go into our grit zone for a little bit, and then we're gonna go back, and we're gonna go back to our comfort zone. So when we 
when we oscillate, so we're going up and down between the grit zone and the comfort zone, that's gonna be like little bits of stretching ourselves and focusing and working really, really, really hard. And then we can relax and do what we're really, really good at. And that's gonna help us so that we can stay mentally fresh and it's going to help our horses too, because if we ask our horse to be, you know, giving us 110% all the time, every single time that we ride them, our horses are not going to like us. <laughs> so we can't always be in the grit zone. We have to spend some time back in that comfort zone. Yes. That's awesome. Do you have any last little pieces of advice, Chevy, for the last few minutes? Um, I did see that there's a question on focusing on your breathing coming out of the roping box. And oh, yes. um, yeah, I, I do the same thing. Like you take that big deep breath and you get all tense and you nod your head and then you go, like I do the same thing. So I try to remind myself that. So like, cause I've started breakawaying on my, my horse breezy. So I get him in and especially if you have a horse that's a little nervous in the box, how we breathe is really going to help them to stay calm in the box too. And so I'll get them backed in and I'll do one square breath and then I'll nod my head and I try to nod on an exhale <laughs> because you're going to take that next big inhale because you have to. But if you're exhaling out as you nod, it's going to kind of soften your body a little bit so that you're not so rigid and tense. Yeah, because if you're tense, you know, then this arm muscle is here and you can't get your elbow up and if your elbow's not up, your tip can't get down and then the calf is just you're never going to catch it but if you can mm -hmm. you know be relaxed then your shoulder and then you can go yeah I love it we had everything gets so serious when I come through the alley on a barrel or pole run all I think about is where I'm going and what I'm about to do next how can I help myself stay in the moment and take it step by step and you can I think you can answer your own question with what we've learned today so maybe you can unmute yourself and and just kind of walk us through some things that you can do and then we'll close it up I think if I can talk my horse, talk myself, just make sure I remember my breathing and just try to keep myself where I need to be in my little grit zone without being too tense, then I can keep my mind where I need it to be when I go run. Another thing that you can do is if you ask yourself questions, as you're preparing, as you're getting ready, as you're coming down the alley, that forces your brain to put more oxygen to the frontal lobe where all the thinking happens. And so the question to ask yourself is, what's important now? And so that acronym is WIN. And it actually was a Notre Dame football coach that came up with this acronym and would tell his people to remember to win by focusing on what's important now. And so as you're coming through the alley, like, What's important now? What's important now is how you're riding your horse. And then you're thinking about the things in this moment that you need to be doing right now. And that's really going to help you to stay focused, stay in that moment and take it step by step. That's awesome. I love that. That's a that's favorite great. one of mine. Yeah, we can all go win now and focus on what's important now. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Chevy, for doing this. I just want to... Um, Real quick, uh, before you guys log off, um, I wanted to let you know that I had a conversation with the Bartons today, and it was awesome um, about some opportunities that they're creating in Pennsylvania. And they had said that they know a lot of new people who are getting involved in rodeo in their area, and that there are a lot of parents and kids, and they're just not sure what to do or where to start or anything like that. So um, I don't have the date set in stone, but I'm planning on doing a Zoom, a Rodeo Kids Zoom for parents and kids who are just getting started. Um, so if you know anybody in your association that's in your area or um, just somebody who's interested in rodeo at all who might want to attend that so they can ask some questions, then um, let them know about it because we'll post that here soon on RodeoKids.com on the Facebook page and everything. So keep that in mind. And yeah. Thank you very much, Chevy, for joining us today. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Yes, the kids are loving it. So we are going to call it a night and let you thank you guys for tuning in and we'll have another one next month. Oh, and you can Bye. get your book on Amazon. Don't forget that. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in once again to the rodeokids.com podcast. We always encourage you to share it with your friends and let them know about it, as well as give us a like, a share, a follow on social media. You can find rodeokids.com on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our guest today was Chevy Allen. You can find her book, 10 Things Gritty Riders Don't Do on Amazon and soon to be on rodeokids.com as well. We are so thankful for her and learned so much from this podcast, and we hope you did too. We also want to let you know that there is some exciting news on rodeokids.com. We have some really cool things coming up, and we want you to stay tuned. So get on those social media pages so you can learn more about how we're growing and including more and more people especially the youth and creating more opportunities for them. So check that out and make sure you give us a follow. God bless, safe travels, and good luck.